if we're going to have any shot at avoiding this new transhumanism movement and losing humanity completely. So we got to get control of the direction of our thoughts, the quality of our emotions, and rewrite the script from underneath the board. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have a brilliant and incredible guest to share with you today. His name is Leo Treadwell, and he's the founder of I Am The Matrix and inventor of the revolutionary mind-hacking technology, autobiographical feedback, which we're going to dive into. I'm going to purposefully skip kind of the story from his bio, which put him on his journey because it's so impactful and we're going to talk about it. But what he is doing with his autobiographical feedback is amazing. He's had the honor and privilege of serving with so many different people and organizations, including Jane Goodall, Nelson Mandela, Vandana Shiva, and the United States Navy NJROTC Leadership Academy, among others. Leo, we're going to have a great time today. Welcome to The Daily Helping. It is awesome to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, sir. Absolutely. Sir. Wow. (laughs) Nobody calls me sir. That's so fun. Uh, So, uh, Leo, in all seriousness, I I know that the journey that you're on today, as I said, I kind of skipped over that intentionally. What you're doing today is so radically different than who you were when you were younger. So, Take us through your journey. I know you, you know, really kind of took off professionally around the age of 19, which is quite young. So take us through that journey about what put you on the path you're on today. Okay. Well, you know, uh, probably for many of your listeners, um, we haven't had the, the ideal childhood that we were, were uh, kind of painted for us when we were kids. So even though we live in a comparative reality and we're always comparing ourselves to others, no, I live in a third world country right now, so I can look around and be like, wow, my childhood wasn't that bad in this way, this way, this way, and this way. But for myself, uh, with my own comparative mind, I look back and uh, being adopted and uh, not really having a, a solid like foothold in my family. I woke up, I mean, I guess I would say I grew up uh, always trying to please and uh, try to uh, have value. And at some point, I realized it wasn't working. So I began to rebel to get the attention and, uh, that I was looking for. And uh, that really got me onto a, a crazy streak, I guess you would say, where I decided to you know, take on a life of crime, <laughs> uh, um, leave home, travel around the country. And I ended up back in my hometown by age 15, owning a sailboat, and uh, then you know, quickly buying a convertible by age 16 and being 16 years old with a sailboat and a convertible was uh, really 
made me feel like very full of myself and uh, like I didn't need anybody. So I, I really felt like I didn't need anybody uh, in, entering late teens. Well, then I got uh, convicted of a felon. I stole an airplane uh, from the state patrol compound. Actually, probably wasn't the best place to steal it from. And it got where where other- is where is the best place to steal an airplane from? Well, probably an airport where uh, <laughs> it's not actually police working. You know. <laughs> All right. So but, you stole you stole the airplane, and then what happened? Well, I ended up turning myself in, and it was kind of comedic in the courtroom because the the judge was curious, like, how in the hell does this happen? You know, how does how does somebody steal a plane from the state patrol office and not get caught? They have to turn themselves in. At any rate, what I didn't realize is I was like pressing down these other issues. You know, I, I may have thought I didn't need anybody, but I was I was covering up and I was creating this scar tissue over these deeper wounds that were inside of me that um even after opening six restaurants in the West Coast of the United States between 19 and 21, and then uh, getting hired at the largest over-the-counter brokerage firm in the country and buying and selling my first business, all but by age 25, all of a sudden I was diagnosed with this tumor in my back that I, I began to realize was self-imposed because of a restriction I put on my ability to connect with other people in a meaningful way. It was really all about me. And that led to me walking out of the hospital after I was diagnosed, looking up to the to the sky and telling God he could, you know, shove it because I was done, you know, doing the best that I could. And this was my reward is getting cancer. I didn't realize that was actually a gift. And because I told God to shove it, I just said, well, I'm going to go steal a Ferrari, which I knew where to get it and rob a bank, and then head to Mexico. I was living in San Diego at the time. I thought it seemed like a fairly easy easy task back in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, in that time frame when we didn't have all the tech we have today. I was like, yeah, that's easy, you know, let's, let's go do that, and then I'll live my life to the fullest until I pass away from cancer. But luckily, I had a friend of mine that said, calm down, slow down, maybe try something a little bit different, and um, got me to take a look at maybe some of the, the deeper issues that I might have, the fact that I didn't have a spiritual life, the fact that I had slept with hundreds of women and didn't have a connection with a single one of them, that there might be something wrong with me that was creating this, which then led me to a vision quest, which then led me to a near-death experience, which then led me to waking up that, wow, like I'm actually a good person and I don't need to accomplish all these things. And love is there at any time I want. It's so interesting, Leo. You know, there, there are threads of what you're saying throughout your story about the importance of human connectedness. You didn't think you needed it. And you were, you know, stealing cars and robbing banks and having, you know, empty relationships. And you talked about the need for telling one's own epic story, the purpose, the thing that sets their soul on fire. I'm so fascinated to talk to you because I know you know talking about technology is you know, that's one of your sweet spots. It's interesting because you know now we've been living really for the better part of a decade and a half with technology that is supposed to make us more connected, social media and Instagram and the TikToks and Snapchats and all these things that have popped up. And the science is pretty clear 
that it's making us more disconnected. But now we're living in this era where you can't go anywhere without hearing something about AI, which I know is going to impact all of us, whether we know it yet or not. AI is going to be a radical disruptor in all of our lives. So talk to us about how you are able to embrace and channel and maintain one's human connectedness in an ever-increasing technical world? That's a great question. That is a great question. I need to save that for future podcasts to offer. No uh, charge. No charge. All right. All right. So interestingly enough, um, there's a technique that Guatemala Buddha taught called Vipassana. It's the only technique, meditative technique, that the Guatemala Buddha, the person we refer to as Buddha, although there's many Buddhas, he taught something called Vipassana, which means to see reality as it is, not as we pretend it to be. Well, back in the year 2000, I was uh, working with the Earth Day Network, and I created a global community of NGOs to begin to share in their communities about these three trash piles the size of Texas that were floating around in the oceans. Well, you know, 23 years later, they're still there. Nothing's really changed. They're just bigger. And the other day, I made a post on uh, social media, because I have to for my business, saying that I kind of feel like Winston Churchill, because Winston Churchill loved cigars and loved whiskey. And I love whiskey and cigars. So like, I'm a lot like Winston Churchill, I thought, you know. But also, Winston Churchill was warning people about Germany for years before the German invasion. and for a good 23 years since the year 2000, I have been warning people, everybody I know, about converging technologies. Hey, what happens when quantum computing merges with AI? Holy smokes. What happens when AI, quantum computing, and 3D printing, and weaponized drones, and robotics, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all converge? Like, are we thinking about this? So for decades, I've been talking about this. You know, Richard Feynman, the physicist, was talking about nanotechnology 50 years ago. We're just like ignoring this, these massive technological leaps that we're taking in all these different areas. And it's difficult for us to grasp and see reality as it is, as the Buddha would say, because we're, like Leonardo DiCaprio would say, afraid to look up. We're not looking at what's coming. We're pretending like, well, la, 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 everything's going to be fine. You mentioned a moment ago, like AI is going to be taking over our lives. It already has. Seven weeks ago with the la- launching of chat GPT, it, it's changed our world. By the end of 2023, our whole economic system is going to be on its head more than likely. More than likely. Tell us, tell us what you mean specifically by that. Yeah. So I've implemented uh, uh, artificial intelligence into our law firm here in the Dominican Republic. My wife's an attorney. She's worked for the last two presidents investigating corruption here in the DR. And uh, we are now doing legal documents in seconds. It took us hours in the past. Well, I'm also, you know, we're, we're making movies for my programs that I'm selling online for introducing autobiographical feedback. Very technical movies that talk about applied neuroplasticity, epigenetics, um, critical mass, how to shift consciousness, cellular regeneration. These were taking us weeks to make a five-minute movie. Now we can get it done in a half an hour. And we don't, and the employees aren't hardly even involved. So 
just chat GPT. My boxing instructor the other day, he wrote a book on boxing over the weekend using chat GPT. And it just got introduced. This morning, one of my business partners sent me a 10-minute video on how to uh, use chat GPT with uh, an image creation uh, AI, with a, um, a voiceover AI, and with a uh, music AI. So literally to merge all of these together where I can input an image of my wife. And now it looks like she's speaking in a French with a French accent accent based on the story we wanted to script that we put into the chat GPT. And within 20 minutes, she'll be giving a presentation in French uh, that was crafted by artificial intelligence. That's wild. Yeah. And, and anybody can do this. Anybody that can get on Twitter can do this. Anyone. Say, write me a bill of sale for a $230,000 condo in the Dominican Republic following all dislende and property and and uh, and lot uh, regulations. Boom. Maybe three or four seconds. Done. It's incredible. Hey, guys. Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. So you had mentioned earlier, though, that you see that AI is going to turn our financial system globally on its head. What did you mean by that specifically? So I don't need an accountant anymore. Ah, I got you. I don't need an attorney anymore. I don't need the uh, film editors anymore. I don't need uh, a branding agent anymore or a logo creation or uh, even how to write a website. I don't need a website developed anymore. I can just ask it to code it. For, I can ask AI to code it for me and plug it in. I don't need a, a uh, to sit down and write a 15-minute 15 15 keynote speech. If I, if I want it to be funny, I just say, make it funny. If I say make it a roller coaster of emotions, it'll make it a roller coaster of emotions. I don't need to do my, my marketing anymore. I don't need to check my emails anymore. I don't need a, an assistant anymore. I don't need a doctor anymore unless it's for surgery. All of these things I can get answers to. Google is obsolete to begin with. And this, and just again, chat GPT, it will evolve beyond my understanding within a couple of months. And all of the AIs around it will be evolving beyond anything I can even comprehend right now. The exponential growth, when we look at Moore's law and these technological leaps, are far greater than anything that we can see in uh, general mathematics, Fibonacci sequence, golden ratio, or even the rule of 72, which is a very powerful exponential growth promoting financial rule that not a lot of people know about, but it's one of the main financial rules that's out there for knowing how to double your investments rapidly. So uh, you had asked me earlier about um, potential. So here's the deal. Human beings have this story inside of us. Almost everybody does. 
We have the story inside of us. We're not different so much from a caterpillar that carries the blueprint of the butterfly. Now, that caterpillar's very specifically named cell that carries that blueprint is called an imaginal cell. Here's what happens. The imaginal cell that carries the blueprint of the butterfly that's inside the caterpillar begins to replicate, duplicate in mass at a certain stage in that caterpillar's life. When it does, the immune system, the mobile immune system of that caterpillar goes to fight like two, two armies fighting each other inside of the caterpillar's body. They destroy each other. And what's left is raw material and the blueprint of the butterfly and the butterfly emerges. So. That's an aspect of self-referral. It's a conflict, conflict between different parts of the caterpillar. We have an opportunity for a parts integration ourselves because part of us feels like, whoa, here's this old paradigm. Part of me feels like here's this new paradigm coming. What do I do? Well, if we don't bring those two together to integrate them, to break down, and as Ayla Prigogine, the Nobel Prize winning physicist said with dissipated structure, if we can't hold the container of accountability and integrity around that breakdown, a higher level of complexity will not emerge. But if we can, a higher level of complexity will emerge. So we are at a, at a phase transition right now for humanity. We are either going to become a mechanical butterfly by phasing into AI, singularity, getting chipped, uh, going down this technological transhumanism path, or we are going to reach inside and understand that this incredible avatar body that nature created with the, with the ability to compute up to 100 billion computations per second in our brain and hold 215 petabytes worth of information in every gram of our DNA. I mean, nature does not make something as magnificent as this human body, this avatar body, for no reason. We know we have, well, we're pretty damn sure, we have this universal mind that filters through like a transmitter and receiver through our quote-unquote identity that gives us access to becoming anything we want. It's just the identity we're trapped in of the neural pathways from our past that create that those precognitive commitments to who we are and the preconditioned emotional responses to our ways of being. But if we take a serious look at who we are, this body we're in, we are totally underutilizing it. Totally. If we use a technology like I designed autobiographical feedback to liberate that computation power, to open up this memory space, and to be able to integrate this story into our awareness that's firing off the 6,200 thoughts that we have each day by most recent brain scan uh, uh, technology from Queen's University in 2020, 6,200 thoughts a day, about 250 thoughts an hour, four thoughts per minute. If we can organize these thoughts around liberating our, our true self, our, our story, the mystery, my story that's inside of me, breaking free from the paradigm of his story, the history of who we think we are, which is also being disrupted right now because there's no way in the world. You know, when people are like Joe Rogan the other day says, he's like, holy crap, how is it possible that these Egyptians in 20 years built a pyramid that's got 2.3 million stones between 10,000 and 60? 60,000 tons each, pouring from over 500 miles away. How is that possible to get in in 20 years? Do the math. That's impossible. Plus the precision. There's no way. Well, what Joe didn't also mention is there's two other pyramids right next to it. They're just a little tiny bit smaller. What about the millions of stones in those? Plus, there's 84 other pyramids on the Giza Plateau. There's no way in the world. 
humanity in our current state can do something like that. We have a totally different history. And this grid work is lined up all around the world, organized and designed to follow the precision of a wobble in our earth. So that on March 21st at Chichen Itzu, Yucatan Peninsula, you're going to see a serpent in the form of a shadow go down at exactly noon down the steps of that pyramid. Come on. Come on. Now, and all of a sudden, this uh, disclosure about UAPs and UFOs and, you know, understanding and decoding these sacred texts that are written in numbers going back to Sumeria, going back to Mesopotamia, and understanding that, no, wait a second here. Our history is totally different. They're talking about genetics. We got we have an opportunity to wake up, take, take charge of who we are, rewrite the script, and move towards liberating what it means to be freaking dynamic human beings or cave in and go with a mechanical butterfly because we're lazy, because we're uninspired, because we're not awakening the mystery that's within us. So I think we have a very poignant opportunity, a poignant time in our human history and development right now to make a very important decision on getting clear on who we're committed to being, what we're committed to creating, or simply surrendering and being taken down this mechanical path and losing what's probably the most valuable aspect of being a human being is that connection to one another and the environment around us. I, I didn't want to stop you because you were rolling, but it took us over 300 episodes to have somebody mention archaeoastronomy on the show. So kudos to you for that. But uh, in all seriousness, now this is so fascinating to me. So I, I want to now, you know, we've set the stage. We have a choice based on your observations and, and knowledge. We either kind of become sucked into this technology going down uh, a rabbit hole we're probably not going to be able to get out of, or we can embrace our humanity, connect with others. And you stated that you've developed this autobiographical feedback. You've mentioned it a couple of times. You mentioned neuroplasticity and cellular, cellular regeneration. You've mentioned a few things, uh, but take us through how autobiographical feedback actually works. Sure. Okay. So, First of all, autobiographical feedback, that's a story. You create your autobiography. But instead of having that story come from your past, you create it from your future. Why? Another thing we're not looking at right now that we really got to start looking at is our own individual multidimensionality because we have this first dimensional aspect of us, which is singularity. We're connected to everything. We have this second dimensional aspect of us, which rules much of our life, which is the ability to understand the difference between right and wrong, left and right, up and down, dark and light, et cetera, et cetera, the duality. Third dimensional part of us is witnessing what we're walking around in. The fourth dimension is time. That's a big hindrance right there, that fourth dimensional aspect of us, which is time, because we keep living from a past and then repeating that past. We live in a self-referring feedback loop based on our experiences. So we have to interrupt that past pattern with a new story coming from potential, coming from the future. Well, how do we do that? We use the same technology that's being used on us with these AI-generated algorithms, the marketing and the narratives and the agendas. Ah, so how do we use that same technology? Well, it's all programming. And all of that programming works with aspects of language, some of it paleolinguistic, some of it verbal, some of it nonverbal, some of it emotional, some of it based on cues of pleasure and pain. But these are all marketing strategies to get us move in a certain direction. And as we know from 
you know, watching like a social dilemma, I think it's called or something like that. These documentaries on, uh, on social networks and so forth that they just push a button. They get a whole group of people to move it a certain way because that science is so sophisticated. Well, in Hebrew, Aramaic, in the original languages that came from Mesopotamia, they had a technology called gematria. They also, from ancient Greece, had a technology called mnemonics. This was ancient applied neuroplasticity in action. It was ancient applied neuroplasticity because the sages, the, the seers, and the mystics, and the, the leaders of those times could see coded languages phonetically and numerically all around them in their sacred texts, in their business transactions. And a lot of this is occult information now, but it's still very pertinent because we know that there are stations set up all around the world in every country of the world that are still transmitting information in this way, in these coded ciphers to each other. Why? Don't know why. But we do know they're there, and we can provide links to anybody who's interested, if, if they would like, that these same types of languages are being transmitted amongst leaders of our world. Again, don't know why, don't know who, nobody does, but we do know those transmissions can be seen happening. <clears throat> so we can take this same technology, and we create a story for ourselves and code it in, so that everywhere we go, when we see these same cues, we start repatterning our brain to move towards the story that we're creating. And we can leverage into this applied neuroplasticity. We can leverage into this uh, neuro-linguistic programming, psycholinguistics, timeline therapy, hypnotherapy, all of those marketing strategies that are already being used on us. We can custom design and craft a programming language that we begin to take in through our photoreceptor cells that goes through the optic chiasm, the reticular activation system. We start tuning into these things more frequently, and then those probabilities amplify outside of us because we know that the only reason things happen outside is because of the connections we have inside and that whatever we focus on is going to expand. So if we can control the direction of our thoughts, again, 250 an hour, four per minute based on loops of about 10 to 20 seconds each, if we can control those thoughts and the quality of the emotions that go with them, we can change our epigenetics. We can change the direction of our focus. We can change the probabilities that amplify. And a lot of this is by training the brain to begin to access that ability to do those 100 billion computations per second, but have them not be unconscious, have them be very consciously designed, like consciously designing my own neural network. That's what I'm talking about. Something that's never been done before. Giving people the tools so that anybody, neuroscientists like yourself or Somebody that's a uh, Reiki master would understand like, oh my God, yes, I can see it. I can feel it. My thoughts are going there more frequently. I understand the fire-wire combination. I understand the power of pattern interruptions. I understand the power of shifting an emotional vibration from something that's denser to something that's higher value. I can understand the importance of seeing myself as non-local, as connected to everything and how that keeps firing and wiring. All of my agreements and relationships change. So it's waking up to the bigness of who we are. Instead of having a competitive model where we're trying to use these technologies to, to control people, to have a more collaborative model where we can use these technologies to integrate with each other, to create our own natural form of singularity. Because we are singularity. We've just created these identities that have closed us off from that broader pool of information and energy that's out there. So as we liberate ourselves from these limiting identities, 
and open ourselves up to the truth of who we are. Again, that Vipassana uh, word, seeing reality as it is, not as we pretend it to be, that I'm separate and I uh, own a law firm and that I ran for Senate and that I'm blah, 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 blah. But no, I'm actually a God and embryo just waking up and remembering like T.S. Eliot said, when you finally reach your destination, you'll see it with new eyes, but also recognize it as, hey, this is the place I started from. I'm curious, Leo, this is, this is so fascinating to me. There are many people probably listening to this who have some form of a daily routine involving things like gratitude practices and affirmations and visualizations. How is that what you're doing different? Is that stuff incorporated into this, but on steroids? What are the distinctions there? Yeah, I would say it's incorporated and on steroids. Um, you know, it's a bummer because we have been limping along with affirmations and visualizations and things like this for a long, long time because we're trying to like put mayonnaise on top of the programming to give it a different flavor, but the programming's still there. What we need to do is actually go in and, and interrupt the programming. And that doesn't happen through conscious intervention. So if I'm sitting down and I'm visualizing something, I'm not. I'm only using like 5% of my creative potential. My unconscious potential is 95% of the stuff going on in the background that I'm trying to mask over with you know, 20 minutes of visualization using 5% of my mind. But if I'm out driving down the road and I smell a, a, a smell and I see a big yellow M, and that smell reminds me of French fries. And I see this big yellow M. 95% of my mind is going over in this direction over here saying McDonald's or whatever might be attractive to my reticular activation system. A Tesla car or a beautiful woman or whatever it might be, right? So we want to be able to organize that part of our mind to be having it constantly interrupted all of the time when I'm not consciously sitting down to do a visualization, not consciously sitting down to do my affirmations, but when I'm whatever, walking through a store, looking at a menu, checking my phone, talking to my partner, uh, going for a run, like all of those types of things, you can have your pattern interrupted the whole entire time you're doing that. And it's reminding you that, hey, guess what? Here's your exit strategy to become financially free. Here's that clear path there. Oh, wow, that's interesting. It came out of nowhere. Oh, here's your ideal uh, image for where you see yourself when you're 65 years old, physically, mentally, emotionally, the relationships, your contribution. Oh, that's interesting. That just interrupted my pattern and showed me something 11 years down the road. Oh, here's a reframe on your relationship with your parents when you were a kid that's reminding you that, no, actually, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It made me who I'm here to be today. Like all those things can happen while you're on a run. And you know, like I am consciously and competently seeing this language around me, this firing and wiring, something that I am taking 100% responsibility for constructing inside of myself, because I wrote this program based on what I'm looking for, based on who I'm committed to being, based on what I'm committed to creating. Because I'm not a a reactionary model. I'm a creator. Every single one of those four thoughts I have a minute, 250 thoughts an hour, 6,200 thoughts I have per day, every one of those is a seed being planted into my future. Everyone's a thread weaving the tapestry of my three-dimensional reality tomorrow. I'm not going to pretend that's not true. Fuck that. I'm taking this and I'm saying, I'm going to organize this intelligence, optimize my mind, and I'm going to consciously create my own future. I'm tired of reading the books about how it happens. I'm going to do it. I'm moving from the information age to the implementation age. I'm going to work. Why? Because I'm a warrior. Me, personally, I'm a warrior. That's my archetype. 
So I look at my battlefield as consciousness. It's a recreational playground, but it's also a battlefield. And I believe there is a war for my mind right now, and I ain't laying down. I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to organize our thoughts, our intentions, create our lives to be the most epic versions of being a human being it can possibly be, and try to enroll as many other my brothers and sisters around me to do the same thing. We don't need more information. I can get anything I want online. It's time to implement this stuff. We got to reach a critical mass, which is 20% of our thoughts and emotions each day to be shifted on something solidly, unconscious and conscious combined, solidly, 20% of those to create that critical mass, that phase transition to create that new, those new cells inside of my body, the new epigenetic gene expression inside of my cells, and to be able to effectively impact the people around me through their mirror neurons and get them doing the same. Understanding I'm a part of a fragmented holographic universe that has my hologram changes inside of me, it ripples out and begins to change the rest. And then as we create more and more agreements, that's why we're creating our language in 25, the top 25 languages on the planet. If we can get 20% of this global population to quickly wake up and understand that, hey, I don't need to know how to do it anymore. I need to do it. Here's the tools. Here's the system. Let's rock. I love this. Leo, this has been a wild, fascinating episode. I knew that it would be. Leo, tell us where people can connect with you online and learn more about what you've created with autobiographical feedback. All right. So go to IamTheMatrix.com. Why I am the Matrix? Because you are the Matrix. You're not a victim of anything. We're all co-creating this thing together. So take ownership for your part. IamTheMatrix.com. You want to learn more? Sign up. It's not about the information. It's about implementing it. Here's what I'm going to promise any of your guests. If you don't get more done in six months using this technology than you normally would in two to five years, just ask for your money back. Show that you did the work. No problem. Done deal. Super confident this is going to be disruptive to the whole human development industry and a definite necessity if we're going to a definite necessity if we're going to have any shot at avoiding this new transhumanism movement and losing humanity completely so we gotta get control of the direction of our thoughts and quality of our emotions and rewrite the script from underneath the board standing beautifully said leo this has been such a cool conversation thank you so much for coming on the show with us today thank you sir appreciate it Absolutely. And to each and every one of you who took time out of your day, thank you as well for listening to our conversation. Do you like what you heard? Go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.